0: So welcome again, Gurunishta Prabhu, Harijan Prabhu, Vijayegu Prabhu, and anybody else listening, watching. My name is Brigupad Das, and uh, it's my great pleasure to today be able to speak about the Bhagavatam with you. Nashta prayeshva bhadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya, we hear in, in the beginning of the Bhagavatam. And this is one verse that Prabhupada used to like to quote very much. By regularly serving the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Book Bhagavatam, and the Person Bhagavatam, nasta almost all of the abhadras or inauspicious things are destroyed from the heart. So we are lucky that uh, the Bhagavatam is the kind of book that uh, we can get back to again and again and again. And in the lectures that I've been giving here on Tattva Viveka, uh, I've been speaking about the the Srimad Bhagavatam, the first Mm -hmm. verses of the Srimad Bhagavatam. I spoke about the first verse, then about the second, then about the third. And now (laughs) I will continue that. I'm not a very imaginative person, so I'll just do this. Because I think that even though, of course, we are not likely to be able to finish the whole Bhagavatam by going through one verse once a month or something like that, uh, still just bathing our buddhi, bathing our understanding in the Sri Bhagavatam is going to be purifying, if not for you, at least for me. So again, I'm thankful for this opportunity. We have reached the fourth verse. <inaudible> <inaudible> Prabhupada translates this verse like this. Once, in a holy place in the forest of Naimisharanya, great sages headed by the sage Shaunaka assembled to perform a great thousand-year sacrifice for the satisfaction of the Lord and his devotees. So I have called this lecture The Sages of Naime Charanya, because this is the, the topic for today. This is the verse where the story of the Srimad Bhagavatam begins. And the story of the Srimad Bhagavatam um, as I'm sure you all know, it's a very complicated story. It's a multi-level story. Or perhaps we could say it's a story within a story within a story. Uh, this that we're moving on now is kind of the first level. This is kind of Vyasadeva Deva speaking. And Vyasa Deva is now speaking about this uh, sacrifice being performed in Naimisha forest. And from here, we're going to go one level down to hear the conversation between the people here in the Naimisha forest. And they, in their turn, are going to speak about Shuka and Parikshit, And Shuka and Parikshit are going to speak about further levels like this. So it's stories within stories within stories. So the frame story, the, the story that... Uh, contains all the other stories within themselves that's the story that begins here once upon a time the sages had gathered naimisha nimisha kshetri uh, in naimisharanya in nimisha in the nimisha field to perform a sacrifice Naimisharanya means the Naimisha forest, and it's a place that you can still visit today. It's not much of a forest, of course, considering how much deforestation has happened in India, but you can still visit it. It's a beautiful place. It's close to a place called Sitapur in in Uttar Pradesh, kind of eastern Uttar Pradesh. It's close to Lucknow i visited it many many years back and uh, the main kind of feature of this holy place is a circular lake or a circular pond the word naimisha can be understood you see in two different ways depending on how exactly you spell it if you spell the sh at the end with uh, Uh, the kind of S which has a small apostrophe on top, Naimisha. Then it has one meaning, and if you spell it Naimisha with the S that has a dot underneath, then it has a little bit different meaning. The ordinary meaning that you'll find in most places is that Naimisha means uh, the forest of blink, blinking. Nimisha, <laughs> Nimisha means a blinking. So Naimisha means of blinking. There's a story told in the Varaha Purana, which contains lots of, of, of stories about this holy place. Uh, about a sage called, uh, uh, I think his name was was Gauramukha. Like golden golden face. And uh, this Gaura Mukha, he once destroyed a whole army of Asuras in this place, in as long as time as it takes to blink your eyes, just like that. <laughs> By his yogic power, he destroyed all of these. So the place gets its name, its name from this, how this this sage. Uh, destroyed all the demons in the blinking, blinking of an eye. There's also another story which is similar, which I think is told in the Mahabharata, uh, <clears throat> but which also has the same meaning of blinking, that uh, a whole host of asuras was destroyed here once. So if we take the meaning of the forest as the forest blinking, it has this kind of, uh, you could say, um, war-like connotation that in, in ancient times there's been this huge battle there and all these terrible demons have been destroyed. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur who often has very original and, and interesting
1: uh,
0: comments to the Shimon Bhagavatam he says that you can also understand the word Naimisha in a different way that it doesn't have anything to do with blinking but with nemi nemi means a wheel so he says that naimisha means the forest connected with the wheel and there is a story that uh, once the edge of uh, the the wheel of time or the kala chakra because of something that Brahma did, I forget exactly the details, it touched the earth in this place. Uh, just so that we don't I don't explain this incorrectly, I will, I will just I will read read this from Vishwanath's uh, commentary. he 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 quotes this from Vayu Purana. He writes like this, "This mental wheel created by me will be released." The place where the rim comes off will be favorable for performing austerities. Having said this, and having created the wheel brilliant like the sun in his mind and offered his respects to it, Brahma released that great deity, the wheel. It's not really the wheel of time, it's just a special, special wheel. Uh, The rejoicing Brahmanas offering respects to the Lord of the Universe, then journeyed to the place where the rim of the wheel fell off. That forest became known as Naimisha and is worshipped by the sages. And still today, this circular lake in Naimisharanya is said to be connected with this chakra that Brahma uh, released and that touched the earth here. And it's said, of course, that this lake is bottomless. So next time you go to Naimisharanya, you can try to dive dive to the depth, to the bottom of that lake, and if you succeed, you'll be a pretty good swimmer. Uh, or maybe not try, but at least, at, least, at least that's what they say, that it's a bottomless lake. Uh, at any rate, both of these stories, whether we we take the story of the blinking or of this uh, wheel of Brahma, this chakra of Brahma, both show that this is a very ancient place. There are other places connected with this uh, Naimisharanya as well. And the main story connected with Naimisharanya is the story of these sages. The Mahabharata was told by Suta Goswami to the sages at Naimisharanya. And all the Puranas are told here as well. It appears that they begin with the Mahabharata, and then they go on to the the Puranas. Vishwanath Chakravarti says in his commentary that uh, when the sages had become uh, uh, purified by hearing the other Puranas, then they, they started to ask about the Bhagavata. Of all the Puranas, the Bhagavata Purana is many times said to be the last so it's the mature wisdom of Yasadeva. It's kind of his, his magnum opus, his final great work. And it's here in Naimisharanya that it's going to be spoken. The verse said, the fourth verse here of the first chapter of the first canto, it said that once upon a time, the sages had gathered here in Naimisharanya to perform a thousand-year sacrifice. Sahasra Samam Asata. In the Mahabharata, it is said that they had assembled there at Naimish to perform a 12 year sacrifice. <laughs> so but there's been a, an upgrade since the Mahabharata. They started with a 12 year sacrifice, but then they went on not to 13, 14, or 15, but to 1000. Um, when did they start the sacrifice? Here in the Bhagavatam, it just said Ekada, one day, once upon a time. But they started after Krishna left earth. Because there's something very dramatic that happens when Krishna winds up his earthly lilas and and returns to the spiritual world. What happens at that moment is that the Kali Yuga begins. This present age of quarrel, age of iron, age of machines that we're living in right now, it begins, according to traditional uh, calculations, about 5,000 years ago. And the sages, whose perception of things is not like ours, but whose perception of things is very acute, who can see things that ordinary people cannot see, they have realized that now this terrible age has begun. So what they do is they try to counteract the influence of the age of Kali. And for that reason, they set up this satra, the sacrifice. In the Vedic age, there were many different types of sacrifices. What is special about the Satra, which is specifically mentioned here, is that it is a sacrifice that can go on for a long time. Some people say that this Sahasra Samam Asata, that they offered this uh, uh, sacrifice for a thousand, they say that it's not that they offered it for a thousand years, but that they they uh, offered it once every thousand years. But I don't believe this interpretation. I think it makes more sense to think that they, being, of course, much more uh, long-lived than ordinary people, they sat down and did this. they decided the age of Kali has begun. Now we need to do our bit to make sure that it doesn't become as bad as it could. The verse says uh, that they performed this uh, sacrifice, Svargāya Lokāya. Prabhupāda translated that as uh, for the satisfaction of uh, the Lord and his devotees. Satram Svargāya Lokāya Sahasra Samavaset. the most obvious translation of Svargaya Lokaya is for attaining heaven or for the heavenly world. And Vishwanatham Chakravarti in his commentary offers two different interpretations of this. He says that you can understand Svargaya Lokaya to mean that they, when they started this thousand-year sacrifice... Their hope was that they would be able to counteract the influence of Kali, but also that they would be able to reach heaven. Because that's really the goal of the Mahabharata. In the Mahabharata, we hear about liberation, we hear about the spiritual world. Not very much. The focus is on heaven. So they are interested in going to heaven. But now then, when they are hearing... Uh, the Mahabharata, they're hearing the Puranas.
1: Their understanding is uh, is increased.
0: And they realize, what will we do with heaven? Heaven is just as temporary as anything else. So they they graduate from that understanding of spirituality and then move on. And we will see this when we get
1: the questions that they put
0: uh, the other understanding of Svargaya Lokaya is the one that Prabhupada follows in his translation Svarga Vishnu Chakravarti explains can also mean the person that is sung about, Gayati in heaven and Lokaya means his people. Loka can mean world, but it can also mean people. So they are doing their sacrifice for Svarga and for Loka, for uh, God, who is uh, Urukrama, who is uh, um, Indra's brother, and who is always glorified in heaven, and for his people. So it's not that Prabhupada is translating incorrectly. he's just uh, translating according to this kind of esoteric understanding of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. So the sages, they have come together now at this holy place, Naimisharanya. And just that the sages have come there has made the place so much more sacred. In ancient times, there was a river called uh, the Sarasvati River, which flowed to the west. It flowed uh, down from the Punjab area, and then it flowed towards the southwest, entering the Arabian Ocean, more or less parallel with the Indus River. But there's also a an east flowing Saraswati. So it is said that this part of the Saraswati River was so attracted by these uh, sages there in Naimisharanya that it turned towards the east. So the east flowing Saraswati River flowed past Naimisharanya. It's not there anymore. All of the Saraswati River has gone underground and is is uh, invisible for us but in ancient times it flowed past Naimisharanya. there is still a river at Naimisharanya, the Gomati river which is also a, a sacred river but you can imagine what kind of people these sages must have been to make a river turn its course so they have gathered there now to perform this thousand-year sacrifice uh, to please the Lord.
1: So let me uh, read on a few verses to see what else we will hear. One day, after finishing
0: their morning duties by burning a sacrificial fire and offering a seat of esteem to Shlasuta Goswami, the great sages made inquiries with great respect about the following matters.
1: So, uh, the sages,
0: they have, have come together, they're doing this sacrifice, it's a sattra sacrifice, so it means a sacrifice that they continue every day. So while offering, after they've done their, their morning offerings, that's the time for most of the ritual activities. Then they sit down and then they speak. <laughs> but their speaking is not like our speaking. That, oh, what did you have for food? Have you heard about this? This guy, what he did? That did you hear on the news about this crisis? Their speaking was spiritual matters. So they are asking uh, sutta to tell them, and he has been speaking the Mahabharata, he has been speaking the Puranas. Suta is not a name. A suta is a title. A suta is a person who can be two different things, or, or quite often his both. Suta literally means uh, a charioteer, a person who takes care of the horses and the chariot. So, like a uh, uh, a driver basically. The sutta is also in charge of washing the horses, for example. Uh, a sutta traditionally is a, is a mixed caste person. With like, if I remember correctly, the mother is a Brahmin and the father is from a lower, lower Varna. So it's a mixed 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 Varna birth and also. Uh, mixed in kind of the wrong way. Uh, varnas can be mixed in two two ways: pratiloma and anuloma. Anuloma means uh, am- along the hair. It it refers to like along the hair, like if you'd 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 stroke a, a cat along the hair, the cat likes that. So along the hair means means something which is done properly or correctly. Uh, in this case, it means that the father is from a higher varna or 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 caste than the mother. Pratiloma is, is against the hair or against the grain. Uh, if you try to, to, to stroke the cat against the, the, the grain, against the hair, then it will not like it. So similarly, marriages that are against the grain, those are marriages where the wife is of higher caste than the husband. Today these things don't mean mean much to us and, and they are more kind of, of historical interest, but here I'm just explaining it to, to show that the speaker, the main speaker of the Sriman Bhagavatam, he's a suta. It's not his name. His, his name is, is Ugrashlavas.
1: Uh,
0: yes, ugrashlavas Ugraslavas,
1: and uh, uh,
0: he's not from the the most high uh, background you could imagine. A sutta is a respected person, an important person, but uh, not some very high-born, very special person. Uh, this is important, because uh, sometimes we have this this uh, impression that in order to be a Bhagavata speaker, you have to have some kind of inborn quality, that you have to be a very, very charismatic person, or you have to be very... Very handsome, or you have to be a man, or you have to be an Indian, or you have to be a Brahmin, or you have to be uh, whatever. But it's not like that. The quality of the Bhagavata speaker does not lie in his or her body. Because that's what all these things are about birth, uh, looks, and so on. That's all about the body. The Bhagavatam is a completely transcendental text. It goes beyond
1: these kind of things. So, uh, this, this uh, suta,
0: uh, Ugrashavas, he's the son of another suta, Suta, also called sometimes Suta. His story is told in the in the 10th canto, sutas they are charioteers, but they are also speakers of ancient lore. You could call them maybe bards or, or, or storytellers or something like this. So their profession is not just to take care of the horses and the chariots, but also to tell stories. These kind of persons were important in uh, in the courts of ancient India. In ancient India, they had this idea that the king needs to hear stories about ancient kings. Uh, the king and his retinue and everybody else in the court, they need to regularly hear stories about ancient kings uh, to learn, to be amused, but also to be inspired. There's this idea, and you can see it in the Bhagavatam in different places, for example, in connection with King Prithu, that the king needs to be glorified every day. There needs to be a person who who, who comes and say, Oh, Harijan Maharaj, you are the best of everybody. Nobody is such a generous person. Nobody is so fearless. Like this kind of... of of like almost exaggerated praise. Uh, And the idea of that praise is to make the king feel, well, I'm not really like that, but I would like to be. It's kind of embarrassing when they say that I'm the most generous person and I realize I didn't give any donations yesterday to anybody. So today I'm going to give proper donations to all the Brahmins and everybody. And they say that I'm super merciful. Yeah, I think I should work a little bit on that. So it's this kind of positive affirmation, you could call it, with modern language. The the main point of the sutta is to, to, to tell the king, by glorifying the king and glorifying his ancestors, what kind of king he should be. So that's the royal sutta. But these suttas, Romaharshan and Ugrashrava Sutta, they are not so much connected with royalty. They are suttas that are connected with these rishis. The main rishi, speaking now with this sutta here at Naimisharanya, he's called Shaunaka. Shaunaka is mentioned in many different places in the Vedic the corpus of, of texts. He was a scholar of the Rig Veda. He has collect, compiled some of the, the, the Vedic collections of texts. Uh, he has written several
1: books, mostly ritualistic books.
0: So, probably he wrote those before he heard the Srimad Bhagavatam, but maybe before he met with the other sages here. So, he's an elderly, very sober, very intelligent person. He had many disciples himself. And it's interesting that his most famous disciple was called Ashvalayana. And Ashvalayana's main disciple was called Katyayana. And Katyaira's main disciple was Patanjali, the author of the Yoga Sutra. So there's a direct connection between Shaunaka of the Shrimad Bhagavatam and Patanjali. So Shaunaka and Suta, they've been speaking here. And even before this Suta, Ugrashlavas, they had been speaking with his father, Romaharshan. So he has taken over his father's task. Of being this storyteller, and uh, he's now the one
1: speaking. Roma Harshana
0: was also a storyteller, like a present Suta, but he was killed. Who remembers who killed Roma Harshana
1: Suta? Harijan Prabhu. Uh, is
2: this- Balaram.
0: yes he was killed by Balaram it's a it's quite a dramatic and and in a way this very disturbing story also Balaram he he for seemingly a very small thing he gets upset with Roma Harshana Sutta he comes there to Naimisharanya everybody gets up to show her respect but Roma just looks at him and is like mm-hmm. So he doesn't get up and show him respect. So Balaram, he takes a blade of kusha grass and he hits off his head. He decapitates romaharshana Sutta by a blade of grass. Uh, of course, there's a backstory to that, why he, <laughs> he, he, he needed to do that. But it's also an important story from a kind of... Uh, human perspective because it also shows that uh, having great power is very dangerous Balarama means the powerful or the strong Rama this is one of the special things of course of Balarama he is extremely strong so with one blade of grass he can kill a person and he realizes of course Maybe I shouldn't have done that. He was a sage. They're here in this holy place. So he he decides to go on pilgrimage for one year to go to all the different holy places of India. And uh, uh, by doing that, then he 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 misses most of the the great Kurukshetra war. He comes back only just at the end of it. Uh, and after that, he also he never engages in any more kind of warlike exploits. Uh, maybe we could think that this Leela is teaching us the danger of strength and the danger of violence, and that after this, then Balaram decides that never again will I uh, engage in these kind of things. Of course, he's the he's he's the Lord Himself, so it's not that he's. He's fallen into maya or something like that but through these activities he can teach us something about the dangers of, of being very strong being, being very powerful so these kind of people are are, are there now his son uh, he has been now placed in a special uh, seat by all the other sages, many of which are Brahmins. For example, this uh, Shaunaka, he's a Brahmin, but they are putting this, this Ugrasravas Ugra suta in the, the main seat, even though he's not a Brahmin, because they know he is the storyteller. And he's not just good at telling funny stories. Uh, he also has some very deep wisdom, which he has learned from his teacher, Vyasa.
1: So they say, going on to to
0: verse 6, the sages said, Respected Sutta Goswami, you are completely free from all vice. You are well-versed in all the scriptures famous for religious life, and in the Puranas and histories as well. For you have gone through them under proper guidance, and have also explained them. So they say that he's expert in the Puranas, the Itihasas, and the Dharma Shastras. The Dharma Shastras mean, means uh, books about Dharma in the sense of, of law. Uh, books like Manu Samhita or Yagyavalkya Samhita or texts like this, texts that deal with, with, with law in its very many different forms. All the way from, from criminal law to kind of laws of behavior, laws of or the, uh, rituals and so on. So he's expert in all of this. He's also expert in the itihasas, the histories. This word itihasa it refers primarily to two books, the Mahabharata and the Ramayana. But it can also refer to the Hari and sometimes it also refers to the Yoga Vashishta. So there are many books that can be called Itihas, or history, or epics. And then he's also expert in the Puranas. And indeed, all the Puranas begin with this same setting the sages there in Naimicharanya, Shaunaka, and the others asking questions from Sutta, and then Suta is. Uh, telling them some story or some
1: some narration.
0: Prabhupada calls Suta here, Suta Goswami. He's not called Goswami in the text, but Prabhupada uses this word to denote that this Suta is a master of his senses. That's the main meaning of Goswami. Goswami today, of course, can be a surname. There are families where people's names are Anup Goswami or uh, something, something Goswami. Uh, but in Prabhupada's language, Goswami is a person who is a master of his senses. Goswami can also mean a master of cows. Uh, but that's not the meaning that Prabhupada is out after. He wants to make, make the point that this Sutta, Ugrasava Sutta, is not just a person who is knowledgeable, who's read many books and heard many stories. He's a person who is also uh, in control of himself. And the reason for why that's such an important thing is that uh, unless the teacher has uh, firstly uh, himself or herself studied what he or she is teaching, and secondly, unless the teacher also somehow lives or embodies or exemplifies these teachings, then the impact on the listeners will be very small there are many teachers who do not live up to this standard including myself they can still impart some uh, knowledge to us we can we can hear uh, uh, an amazing ted talk by some person who is actually a, a womanizer or or a drunkard or whatever uh, we can read a book by a scholar who knows a lot about something, but who is not very exemplary in his life. And all of that can be useful. I've learned many, many different things from, from books like this and persons like this. But it will not make an impression on our heart. It will not make us think, I want to change my life. I don't want to go on living this kind of life that I'm living. I want my life to be different. I want to be like that person. That's the kind of experience we have when we listen to persons like Guru Maharaj, for example. We we listen to him, we see him, and we think there's something deep there, there's something beautiful and something wonderful that I would like to take part of, part that I would like to partake of. Because this is a person who's a Goswami who controls his senses and his mind, the mind being the sixth sense and the most difficult one to control. So Prabhupada, he says that Sutta is a Goswami in this sense.
1: Uh, he is a
0: master of his, his uh, senses. He also says that he is free from all vice He's free from all uh, bad tendencies, perhaps we could say. It's interesting that that's also not in the verse. So again, he's kind of adding from the understandings of the Acharyas, from his own realization, uh, more to the Bhagavatam, to make it more easy for us to understand. This is not a fault in Prabhupada. He's not an exact translator. Translator. This is a virtue, because this is how the Bhagavatam is always spoken. When Suta Goswami starts speaking about Shukadeva and Parikshit, he's going to do that in his own words. He's not just going to retell the story as he heard it, but he's going to expand on it. So the, the Bhagavatam told by Suta to Shaunaka and the Rishis is larger than the Bhagavatam told by shukadev to parikshit and that bhagavatam is larger than the bhagavatam
1: uh, uh, told to him
0: shukadev by his father vyas so the bhagavatam keeps growing like this and we can see that also in the translations and i think it's it's amazing i think i will read uh, two more verses then he says in verse 7, being the eldest learned Vedantist, O Svita Goswami, you are acquainted with the knowledge of Vyasadeva, who is the incarnation of Godhead. And you also know other sages who are fully versed in all kinds of physical and metaphysical knowledge.
1: Uh, Veda
0: Vidam Bhagavan Badarayana. Bhadarayana means Vyasadeva. He's Bhagavan. He's Krishna himself. This is told in, in many places. Vyasa is an avatar of Krishna. Uh, Veda Vidam Shrishta. He's the best of the knowers of the Veda. And Sutta, uh, Shanaka is saying, you also know many other munis or many other sages. So, you are not simply a person who has uh, heard a story from somewhere and now added some stuff from your own imagination, but you're actually a person who is intimately connected with these great personalities.
1: And then in
0: the uh, uh, last verse for today, he says, and because you are submissive, Your spiritual masters have endowed you with all the favors bestowed upon a gentle disciple. Therefore, you can tell us all that you have scientifically learned from them. Uh, The teachers, the gurus, they are going to tell the guhya or the secret to a snigdha shishya. Shishya means a disciple, as I'm sure you know. Snigdha means somebody who is, uh, 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 Prabhupada translates it as submissive, it can also be translated as somebody who is
1: is uh, uh, smooth, in the sense of not kind of being a rough person. Somebody who is is gentle and
0: and, uh, pleasing to the guru. And this is an important point, one that we may sometimes forget. Uh, If we want to learn the secrets of spiritual life, it's not enough just to kind of approach a guru. But we also need to cultivate a relationship to this guru by taking a submissive position. It's especially difficult with gurus that don't kind of demand this kind of behavior from us. Uh, Our Guru Maharaj is an example of a person like that. He he, uh, is not a person who will get upset with us very easily or 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 tell us that you have to make dandavat every time you see me, or or anything like that. He is kind of a uh, uh, a laid back person, and that can sometimes make us think that uh, uh, we can treat him like an ordinary person, but we can't. And if we want to learn the secret, the guhya then we need to become this kind of snigdha shishya, a submissive disciple. And it's difficult, of course, if we are (laughs) full of ourselves like I am, for example. Uh, We need to consciously uh, take a, a submissive position and think that I may know many things, but Guru Maharaj knows many more things. I may know how to deal with the situation, But Guru Maharaj will know even more than me. He may know things I can't even understand. And it may be that sometimes he does things that I can't understand. But at least theoretically we have to realize uh, he's a greater person than I am. And things that I can't understand doesn't necessarily mean that he can't understand them. Things that he does that I don't understand at the moment. Maybe I will understand them in the future. Maybe I will never understand them. But if I have faith that he is a spiritual master, a real spiritual master, then I need to surrender and realize I'm not the boss here. I am the Shishia. And I'm trying not to be this rough person. I'm trying to be this, this Snigda, this kind of, sweet, submissive person, and maybe I don't always succeed, but it's here already in the beginning of the Sriman Bhagavatam. Oh, Suta Goswami, we are speaking to you because you know all these secrets, because you are this kind of a, a, a disciple. You're not just a teacher. We are putting you now in the place of the teacher. We are putting you on the asana, and we are bowing down to you, and we are asking you questions. But we are doing it because we know that you are yourself also a teacher, a student. Every teacher is a student. Just like every student at one point will be called on to become a teacher. So Sutta, please tell us these secrets because you know them. They're going to then, uh, in the upcoming verses, they're going to start asking questions. But this is kind of the the introduction to their questions. And then from verse 9 till the end of the first chapter, it's not a very long chapter, I think it has maybe 23 verses, uh, will be the questions that they ask from Sutta Goswan. But that's a topic for another time. Any questions or comments on what
1: I've been speaking about today? Yes, Harita. Uh Thank you for nice
2: uh, speaking. Uh, I have one question I have is I am always like, the my, my mind is like confused about this chronology of Bhagavatam. Like for, for example, when there is a story that Bala, Balaram uh, kills the Roma Harshan, but at the same time, you said that. Uh, Bhagavatam is uh, spoken after Krishna left the world. But Balaram left, I think, sooner than Krishna.
0: They left more or less, maybe one day before or something. So yes, that's something that didn't happen with... Uh, uh, that. That's something that happened maybe, maybe, I'm just guessing now, but maybe like 50 years earlier. So Balaram killing... From Sutta happened maybe fifty years fifty years before uh, the point we are at now, because this is the son. This person speaking now is the son of that Roma Harshana Sutta. So, so in this case, the chronology isn't so difficult. But there are many places in the Bhagavatam where the chrono- chronology is quite difficult to figure out, and uh, and. Uh, uh, sometimes the, the acharyas have kind of worked with that jiva goswami for example he makes takes a lot of of uh, trouble to to figure out for example the exact chronology of the 10th canto of krishna lila when is krishna actually doing what because the order of the Bhagavatam doesn't always make so much sense so he, he's he's ordering up all the lilas in the proper order so yes, there are places like that in the Bhagavatam where the chronology is kind of difficult to figure out. But this particular thing with the suttas, that's that's not so difficult, I think. They were already speaking about something at that time, but not the Bhagavatam yet. So so they were speaking about, maybe Romharshana was speaking about uh, some other Purana or something like that.
1: Uh, Yeah,
2: and uh, also, like, so they was doing this uh, yagya before already. Like, they started, like, this speaking on various topics.
0: Uh, I'm not sure whether they were doing yagya already that time. I don't remember. Uh, It says...
1: uh, um, I will have to to check that in the Bhagavatam. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I will check that. May I have one
2: more question? Yes. So, like, like you said that um, Shuka uh, to as Shukadeva, he speak in, or Sutta, he speak in his own words, what he real, realized. So I re- recently read in some purport for Chaitanya, Charitamrita, in verse where uh, Krishna Daskaviraj glorifies like Vrindavan Das Thakur about everything he has written. And in purport, uh, Prabhupada says that there is uh, no no use to repeat acharya if uh, there is no such some final uh, improvement so so what does this mean like the, some improvement like we know, we know that the, like you cannot add actually nothing <laughs>
0: yeah well firstly i checked already this thing with uh, balaram and uh, and it appears that i was incorrect so i'm i'm sorry they were already doing a sattra that time. It says in the 10th canto in, in chapter 78, verse 21, uh, So they were already, they were these munis, and they were already doing this long-time sattra sacrifice. So maybe, and I'm kind of guessing now, and since I guessed incorrectly last time, it, I, this is not that a good chance that I'm, I'm right, but I'm still guessing that Maybe they knew that Kali-Yuga would start soon. I mean, mathematically, they would know that. So they had already started the Satra, this Thousand-Year sattra, uh, before Krishna had left the world. But they were not at least speaking the Bhagavatam yet. Uh, the other question uh, about uh, improving... Uh, you're quite right, of course, that we can't hope to improve I mean, uh, I'm certainly not improving on what Guru Maharaj is saying. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, there's no, not really any point in me speaking exactly what Guru Maharaj speaks, because then what? Why do you need me? Then you can just listen to the tape, or 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 the the, the MP3 file if I'm going to say exactly every single word that he said, then there's no need for me. So uh, I'm not improving on Guru Maharaj, but I'm speaking improved in the sense that I'm doing something which is kind of, in, maybe it's it, it can be easier. Sometimes Guru Maharaj is speaking in a very very high way in such a way that persons who haven't been studying Odia Vaishnavism for a long time they have a hard time understanding what he's saying, because he's mm-hmm. used, using using so many Sanskrit words, for example. Uh, or maybe uh, some people might be a little bit scared of Guru Maharaj because he's such a powerful person. Uh, or maybe I can give examples that. Uh, uh, some person uh, can understand easier, or something like that. I'm not really improving on what he's saying, but I'm doing it in a different way. It maybe it will be easier to understand for some person. Uh, and the same, of course, with you, or with uh, Shradha, or Gurnista or Vijay Govinda, or anybody else. Uh, we will speak about Shemar Bhagavatam in mean, our own way, And that will be attractive to some person. Uh, I don't know Shraddha at all, for example, but I'm sure that she could speak in a way that would be kind of like the Shraddha version of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And the person that loves her very much would like very much to hear that. I'm 100% sure about that. So that would be very helpful for that person. And in a sense, that could be said to be an improvement just because she's bringing in her own personality, her own understanding, uh, and speaking in a particular time and place which uh, needs the Shraddha Dasi version of the Sriman Bhagavatam. So
1: in that sense, we could say it's an improvement. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I don't know if it came out very clearly. Sure, it's very, very clear. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Uh, Anybody else? Just use a comment, that's all. Say thank you for clarifying the difference between an author and the storytellers. So you have um, you have um, given a, an actual position of these suitors, which is, which has helped me to understand their significance. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, I'm happy that I was able to be of service.
1: Anything else?
0: In that case, it remains for me to thank you. Thank you again for giving me the opportunity to to speak about the Srimad Bhagavatam. And if I said anything incorrect or anything that you didn't like, please forgive me for that. I'm a fallible human being in many ways, but I'm I'm trying. Since I've been asked to give these classes, I'm trying my best. Jai Shri Jai. Guru Jai, to live the wish to have a child in the back ki jai front of Janik to live the wish to have Jai Jai go. Jai Jai the Jai, 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 Jai. Jai Saparshad Gaur Hari ki Jai Gaur Premanande Hari Hari Gaur
1: Hari Gaur